Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Serena Nahi, who received her Doctorate of Veterinary Medicine from the University of Georgia College of Veterinary Medicine. She's from Fishers, Indiana, and is the medical director at Vet Check Pet Urgent Care and their second location in Carmel, Indiana. Recently, she founded Chapter 8, Veterinary Inclusion and Intersectionality Initiative to promote inclusive advocacy and educational and intersectional art and story sharing, communication workshops, and community mentorship in diversifying professional experience. Dr. Serena, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Isaiah. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and this is another fun one since you are local that we can connect in person. So Mm -hmm. that makes it even better from a conversation standpoint. But I wanted to start everything with a little bit of history, and I've been a couple podcasts, Mm -hmm. but to give listeners a little bit of your background and kind of your story. So what drew you into veterinary medicine, kind of your role today, I kind of gave that up in the lead that you're a medical director, but how you got to where you're at today and what that's looked like. Yeah, sure. My reasoning for being in veterinary medicine has largely fluctuated over the years. I was definitely one of the young people who wanted to be in veterinary medicine for as long as they can remember. And initially, I thought that that was going to be clinical veterinary medicine. So I got some clinical experience. When I went to undergrad, I actually ended up getting a lot of research experience, particularly in public health. And I really enjoyed that part of veterinary medicine because it was ever-changing. So that kind of drove me towards aspects of public health and advocacy for the parts of veterinary medicine that are constantly changing, educating the public on that. Obviously, clinical urgent care is not necessarily research, but it definitely can be applied to that. The reason why I am where I am today is actually because of an externship that I had initially taken in veterinary school to be closer to family in Fishers, Indiana. I had actually taken an opportunity to be an extern for a few weeks at the Vet Check Urgent Care in Fishers. And that really got me more excited about this kind of niche in the field because we've heard about general practice, we've heard about emergency medicine. And to be quite honest, emergency medicine, aside from clinical pathology, was really the only aspects of clinical veterinary medicine that I really enjoyed. So kind of being able to combine those aspects in one field was really neat to me. And I ended up taking my job after Dr. Siva offered that to me as an associate veterinarian at Fisher's. After I worked there for a year and gained experience in what it means to be an urgent care veterinarian. He gave me the opportunity to then take on a position as a medical director here in Carmel. So I've been really fortunate to have these opportunities. I mean, they've been kind of happenstance. They're definitely not planned out by any means, but I think that sometimes there are opportunities in life that you can't turn away. And this was one of them. I'm very thankful for him giving me this opportunity and learning alongside him how this works and how we can change the field for the better. Yeah. And so a year, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's a pretty quick and aggressive move to then be able to be a medical director. So there's obviously been a lot of personal growth, responsibility. How has that happened or how have you felt with that transition? Because I know we joked a little bit before we clicked record that it's been a lot, but it's pushed you to grow a lot. So you're definitely having experience that's certainly well above 
the years in the field. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about how you've grown from that standpoint with responsibility? Yeah, definitely. I think the fact that I was kind of put in a position where I was one of two veterinarians that were really present most of the time at the clinic allowed for me to gain some leadership opportunities, some responsibilities on that end where I had to learn how to manage a team, how to figure out, you know, the best means of flow and serving our community to the best of our ability altogether. So learning teamwork, communication, those were really, really important aspects that aren't going to be listed under your job duties, but still something that I got the opportunity to learn. So having that year of kind of figuring things out independently really did help out a lot. I mean, Dr. Siva was available for any questions or anything like that, but I think that he gave me a lot of opportunity, a lot of room to grow by allowing me to kind of take things on independently. And some days were really, really hard. Some days I felt like I was very lost, but ultimately those were good growing pains and I would not be where I am today without having those experiences. So ultimately I'm very thankful for that. And I use those experiences that I've gained to now educate, manage, and also be a team member for the team that I serve here at Carmel. Yeah, and I think that's a good spot to jump into to talk a little bit about the roles that you're taking on here at Carmel with the medical yeah. director and the team. Because we just kind of, again, walked by a little board that said Dr. Serena's board, right? Yeah. Or like education, like yeah. the classroom. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing and how you're investing in your team that maybe doesn't have all the clinical training that maybe a lot of staff has in the field? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that we have recently found a shortage in veterinary medicine of technicians. And a lot of people are interested in veterinary nursing, but may not know that how easy it is for them to get involved or how many opportunities are really out there for them to get involved. Unfortunately, I think over the years, we've seen a very high turnover rate when it comes to veterinary nursing, just because we haven't given them the benefits and the recognition that they deserve. So that's something that I would really like to see change in veterinary medicine and something that we're working on as well in, you know, among vet check and in the urgent care field is to recognize and appreciate our technicians for longevity for them as well as on our end too. But that's definitely something that I've wanted with our team is to see them long-term in veterinary medicine, or at least feel comfortable long-term in veterinary medicine, you know, not feel burnt out because we see that all too often among veterinary technicians as well as veterinarians. So my goal with our team specifically was because they really had limited experience in veterinary medicine. Some of them had experience in human medicine with technical skills, uh, you know, blood draws, understanding some medications. Some of them had experience with animal restraint, with animal training, but most of them had limited to no experience in the actual medicine aspect of it. So I've taken that as an opportunity to train our team and hopefully allow for them to be happy where they're at long-term, potentially allow for them to teach others too, which I have seen occasionally when we have a new member come along, them show 
others how things work, and it's such a beautiful thing to see. So I've really, really enjoyed that, and that was completely unexpected. I knew that I would have to work to learn how to communicate with our team and how to lead the team, but I wasn't expecting to be involved on the education aspect, but I think that's something that I really, really enjoy and I hope that I can continue to do in the future. Yeah. Is there any like success story with the education that you want to just give like a short little tangent or story around? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we first started our team, they couldn't remember what the use of a diagnostic or an antibiotic was. We really started from ground zero on this. And so it was really, really stressful when we first started. But now we can place IV catheters, we can do blood draws, we can do cystocentesis. They very thoroughly explain what the use of every single diagnostic is. They know the time frames for how long medications last how long the turnaround time is for diagnostics. It's amazing the amount of information that they've learned in just a few months. It really felt initially like kind of the team not knowing where we're going to go. I think ultimately what really mattered is having a good attitude and trusting each other. If you don't have that, you don't have a team, no matter how skilled they are. So I am very, very thankful that every single one of our team members, they are all trustworthy and they all have an amazing attitude. And for that reason, I know that if a mistake is made, they will always own up to it. If somebody else claims that they made a mistake and they state, no, this didn't happen, I fully trust them because I see how good of an attitude they have. I see how honest they are. I wish that everybody could be like that. Totally. Um, I really feel lucky that I get to work with them. Yeah. Do you think, just think about like trying to get them up to speed with education, not having yeah. the pressure of having someone else in there like looking at them. Do you think curbsides actually helped you there yes. from the education standpoint? Because that yeah. is what went into my head. I'm like, I don't think that would be actually a really good benefit for someone yeah. as they're learning to not have the pressure of someone like looking at them if yeah. they aren't quite sure. They Definitely. can go ask and feel comfortable learning and that would help ramp them up so much faster. I would say, yeah, absolutely. Curbside has definitely helped on that end. Something that a lot of pet parents maybe don't realize is that oftentimes pets do well away from the pet parents when it comes to medical care. Oftentimes pets will actually get a lot more stressed or kind of defensive over the pet parent and kind of feed off of the pet parent stress as well. They're very emotional creatures. They can determine what's going on. So that's something that I wish was recognized a little bit more often is that sometimes it's actually more helpful to be away from the pet while they're having the treatments done. So that way they don't associate any of that stress with the procedure itself. So I think that that's one thing that's been really helpful is limiting stress on that end. Another thing that's been helpful is definitely efficiency, time efficiency when it comes to curbside service. And then the third aspect would absolutely be the level of performance, I think, is enhanced when people are learning and they don't feel judged by others. We learn a lot faster together. So that's something that I'm thankful for as well. Totally. And you started at the vet check location in Fishers that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. kind of pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, actually, or no. Was it in the middle it of was, it? It okay. was in the middle. Yeah, I started in June of 2020. Got it. Yeah. 
Okay. Because I know we talked a little bit about just like the burden of care that a lot of times people put on veterinarians or techs or others, Mm -hmm. kind of how you dealt with that. Also being younger, Mm -hmm. right? As a young veterinarian, I know I've heard from others that sometimes there's a challenge, you know, like, oh, we want the senior Mm -hmm. doctor, right? Because you're too new. Yeah. How have you, I guess, dealt with kind of both the burden of care and kind of that pressure there, but also Mm -hmm. being younger? Yeah. So in terms of the burden of care, I think that that plays a much larger role because that affects everybody. You know, when somebody comes up to you and says, oh, how long have you been doing this for? I don't take that personally. And there's also another aspect of it where people are definitely sexist. They expect a male doctor to show up as well, which is completely ironic because over 70% of the field at this point is comprised of women. So I can get why their expectation of who's in charge would be, you know, a male leader, because that's still something that we need to work on. Over 70% of our field is women, but less than 25% are in leadership positions. So that's something that we're working on changing. And for that reason, I don't validate it, but I, I guess I understand why people expect there to be a male leader. But when it comes to the burden that people put on the veterinarian, ultimately it trickles down to the whole team and people are very ruthless with their words. The amount of emotional burden that I've seen, it's completely unfair. People are not taking into account the amount of time that it takes to take care of every single pet adequately. They don't take into account the fact that a lot of people on the teams, sometimes a lot of technicians may not necessarily get the benefit of having health benefits like insurance covered. A lot of veterinarians, they have very high debt to income ratio. So there's a lot of factors that make being a veterinarian hard. But in addition to that, when you're doing the work that you're supposed to be doing and you feel like you're putting in your all and somebody comes back to you and says, is this really what you're proud of? Is this really what you went to school for? That cuts deep and it makes you not want to come to work every single day. So I think people really need to take a step back and realize what they're saying before they say it because the difference between human health care and animal health care is actually fairly large. I can understand why people get upset financially. We don't have insurance work exactly the same way that it would in human health care. So I can understand why people get upset in these high stress situations, but emotionally it can become very difficult. And that's something that I think the public needs to be further educated on is the impact that their words have on the veterinarians and vet techs. Again, going back to one of the things that I was amazed when we first were connected through Dr. Siva, who's been a guest mm-hmm. on the show, mm-hmm. is how quickly you've progressed and kind of what is really unique about what they've done with VetCheck is the ability to have leadership opportunities, which you're already developing and developing so quickly, and then kind of ownership opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. Can you t- kind of talk about the progression of living that a little bit, not asking for all the, hey, dollars and cents of exactly yeah. that structure, but yeah. just kind of what that's looked like as right. you came in as an associate and how that's progressed and kind of what that's looked like with with sure. check. Yeah. So I started off as an associate veterinarian. I worked very, very hard my first year to establish myself financially to try and get to a point where I can start paying off my loans. 
And that definitely happened. I'm not all the way there quite yet, but I was able to get a good chunk kind of set for the time being. And luckily, I mean, not so luckily in the fact that the reason for it was due to the pandemic, but luckily we also had an extension on the deadline for our loans. Mm -hmm. So that really helped out a lot. But that was my main goal financially the first year is to buy a car, you know, try and get some loans situated, which I was able to do. And then with this opportunity, what ended up happening was Dr. Siva has this vision to get veterinarians at a younger age involved in entrepreneurship. And I've had this vision to increased representation and inclusion in veterinary medicine. And we both understand that the best way to kind of mitigate that debt to income ratio being so high is to get involved in practice ownership earlier on. That's very, very difficult for somebody who has a lot of loans. So our goal was to kind of build a program for young veterinarians to get involved in partial practice ownership and work their way up to potentially full ownership or, you know, a higher percentage of ownership. But to first learn the ropes by building an internship year, one in which people are not getting paid as low as the average intern does, because that's a whole other aspect that needs to be addressed. But starting off basically as an associate veterinarian with goals of learning how to be, you know, a partial practice owner and or medical director. So this year is basically my learning experience in kind of using my experience to work on building that program. Dr. Siva actually agreed to collaborate with Chapter 8 on that end to build a program to enhance representation and leadership by practice ownership, as well as enhancing accessibility by offering these opportunities to decrease your loans at a much earlier age. So that was kind of how things ended up working out with us is we both had similar goals, or at least we had goals that ended up overlapping. So Darcyva gave me this opportunity to open a new clinic and be, you know, partial practice owner as well as the medical director. It has been a lot. I mean, like I said, you know, we started with a team that came from little to no experience in veterinary medicine and I am the only doctor here. So it has been a lot and I am not going to say that it hasn't, but I am still really fortunate to be able to have this opportunity and I don't take that lightly whatsoever. I'm still very thankful for our team. And I do recognize my own growth as well. I think it's important to kind of take a step back sometimes and realize that oh, at this point I had this goal and now I feel comfortable doing it. Or maybe I had this goal and I had no idea when I was going to achieve it, but I'm there now. So I do feel thankful for that and I hope to continue to grow in that manner. Absolutely. And kudos to you because it is something where you absolutely have been more fast tracked, right? A lot of mm-hmm. people talk about, hey, I graduate vet school. It's like three to five years before I figure out what mm-hmm. the heck's going on. Like, yeah. I just feel so overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to feel that way. And like you said, you certainly feel that way now, but just being able to step in and say, I can learn this. I can do it. There's other people. You have yeah. a good support system. You've been yeah. trained well, which is really important. So you can go out and then make that happen. But mm-hmm. no, I think kudos to you and Dr. Siva as far as building this out. That's awesome. Thank you. Two different things. So the ambassador program, is that mm-hmm. what you were talking about with the building into the schools a little bit? 
So the ambassador, yeah. So the internship program is separate to the ambassadorship program. The ambassadorship program is mostly focused on bringing in externs. So that's for a shorter period of time. And then the internship program is actually a a whole year-long program that we're still working on building. The ambassadorship program is mostly to educate current veterinary students on urgent care and our goals with this specific urgent care, so with Vet Check Urgent Care. And I would definitely like to be more involved on that end in the future. I am currently involved in it, but it's just really hard to kind of balance, yeah. you know, this you have job. A couple other things and, going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I try and be involved as often as I can and try and help out with insight on what a student may think, just based on the fact that I fairly recently graduated from vet school. So I try and offer my perspective on that route. And then also, I really try and push for these values of inclusion, intersectionality, representation. I try and push for that as much as we can in in building this externship program. So what would be your advice to fourth years coming out or even just a young associate, someone that maybe isn't feeling like this is the long-term solution? Like, Do you have any words of wisdom. I know that sometimes it's like, mm-hmm. well, shoot, I've only been doing this a little while. I don't have the wisdom yet, but just yeah. from your experience, kind of how you would encourage them um, to think through things. If ownership is maybe one of those goals or they, uh-huh. they want to be able to grow at a sooner rate. Yeah. So just to clarify for my own understanding, we have a student who is not graduated yet, who doesn't know where they want to go, yep. may be interested in ownership, but is not set on it. So they're not against the idea, per se? Yeah, they haven't ruled it out, but okay. they're also feeling like it's. they keep hearing it's really hard to get an ownership. Yeah. And it's so near impossible to buy into a practice today. Yeah. So they're right in stating that it is very difficult to buy into it. And that the thing is that that's not what this is. And that's not the answer. Your investment is your time. And with that time, you are also educating yourself how to practically address the financial aspects of learning ownership, but you're also learning how to be a team player. You're learning how to be a team leader. You're learning the best ways of communication, the best ways of educating the public community that you're serving. So there's a lot of different aspects here involved with this position that you can take from. And even if you state that, okay, this isn't my long-term goal, Maybe you're not interested in the actual ownership aspect, but at least you can gain all these other aspects. And if you change your mind later, at least you've already started that investment. You've started this investment in partial practice ownership. And, you know, eventually that is something that would help you long term. It is a really, really good financial investment, but it's also a really good career investment to at a fast track pace enhance your own skills and you're being paid well for it at the same time. So that's really the best benefit I would say Mm -hmm. is you're compensated for your time and your time is benefiting your own self later on. In addition to that, you're allowed to make an investment, which is your time, which eventually helps you have better financial gain as well. So it's kind of like a three-tier system all of which you're gaining from. I talk a lot about ownership and anyone that listens yeah. to the podcast knows that I'm obviously a big fan of it. So mm-hmm. I look at that as how similar to, you know, how do you get someone into ownership quicker? Mm-hmm. Because how do I address the income to debt ratio yeah. situation? Well, if I can raise my income, that can help. 
okay, I have the ability to be in a more leadership role. I can run a business, learn those skill sets. That's amazing and super, super important. When you just think about, okay, I can invest in stocks and bonds or I can invest in a vet practice. Mm -hmm. What's going to be more profitable and grow the best? Something that you actually can then have your skill set on. And yeah. vet med is certainly at a really unique point in urgent care, especially, again, going back to that specific thing, urgent care to me is widely, uh, you know, an untapped market, which again, is why you all are kind of seeing this and the growth that you, you yeah. have here. So yeah. it's awesome. I know we've touched on it a couple of times, but I want to get mm -hmm. there. Keep writing it down. Okay. Chapter eight. Yes. Let's talk a little about that. And I know you mentioned also kind of tying that back into that check and mm -hmm. how sometimes, or not sometimes, how there is kind of that relationship that's working there. But tell me, initial kind of origin why sure. did you want to start that yeah and, and what it looks like today yeah definitely so to be honest as of what it looks like today we're kind of on hold right now just because i have been insanely busy mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> with trying to figure out the best way to do my job the best way to train others and also even though it seems like we may not be active i am always working on using my own experiences to create kind of a more organized internship. This whole year, I've been using these experiences to determine what works and what doesn't. So right now, you know, it seems like we may not be as active, but Chapter 8 started in 2020. I founded the organization. And the reason why it's called Chapter 8 is because of the Roman numerals, B-I-I-I, or Chapter 8. The Roman numerals actually stand for Veterinary Inclusion and Intersectionality Initiative. So that's why it's called chapter eight. It's just much shorter to say yeah. chapter eight. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. my intro, me trying to get all yeah. the way through it, I know you kind yeah. of smiled that I, yeah. I had to stumble my way through it as I was yeah. reading it. But... Yeah. And yeah. we didn't want to take away from the meaning of it. So we still wanted to have like that acronym in Makes there. Total sense. Um, okay. Yeah. Smart. But we also don't want it to have to be a mouthful for everybody all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, it's basically... Welcome to a new chapter in veterinary medicine. We want to show the world that as a veterinary community, we can be more inclusive and we can highlight the role of intersectionality as well by learning from different underrepresented groups. Because in vet school, we had a lot of different organizations for different underrepresented groups, but I felt that for people who may identify with more than one underrepresented group. For example, myself, I'm, I'm a queer woman of color. I'm a queer Indian woman of color specifically. So that required to be in different organizations to really feel like I'm there with everybody. But I kind of wanted to have an organization where we had multiple underrepresented groups come together to therefore learn from one another's experiences and help each other get to a better place because I really strongly felt that and I think that's something that we are understanding more and more today. Systemic issues arise from a variety of reasons. We have one area of focus perhaps, but we have to understand how we got to that one area being so bad. There are always multiple factors and that exists within any system. So within veterinary medicine, particularly, we have a lot of things working against underrepresented groups systemically. I mean, we saw particularly against Black Americans, we saw that veterinary medicine even so works systemically against 
or a black colleague. So that's something that we had to fully understand by assessing all the different factors that went into that. And in order to address any systemic issue, we need to understand that there's always going to be multiple issues. So that's why I wanted to create an organization where we could all better understand one another and help one another. And our goal is also to reach other healthcare groups too. So as a member of One Health Veterinary Medicine, we can also help human healthcare, environmental health, and that was really the goal with creating this organization. Now, with VetCheck particularly, that was a collaboration that Dr. Sue and I later discussed when he asked for me to take on leadership opportunities. I let him know that I really, really want to focus on increasing representation and inclusion in the field of veterinary medicine. And with my future positions with VetCheck, I would like to collaborate more so you know, between chapter eight and vet check. And he was definitely for it. And so I'm really thankful for that. And I hope to use this year to create that internship program that we were talking about Mm -hmm. to then address the communication, leadership, financial accessibility aspects of veterinary medicine that I think we've been putting off for quite some time now. Yep. So when you found it, was it you? Was there several others? Is it something where, because again, like you joked about, you have a lot on your plate as yeah. far as like if people hear this, like, yeah, that'd be great. I want to get involved. Yeah. Obviously knowing that it's there, yeah. it's just not the priority as you're getting some other things done. Right. And it's yeah. kind of working in, in tandem. Did you start it yourself? And I then did. Kind of what does that look like with people yeah. being interested in getting mm-hmm. involved? Yeah. So I started it myself. We do have another member on our board. His name is Andrew, Andrew Atwan. He's also a veterinarian and one of my friends from veterinary school as well. And he is an ER veterinarian currently in Georgia. So we have a similar clinical experience, but he's definitely been helpful in the creative perspective with our organization. And we've kind of bounced ideas off of one another. So he's been kind of my main person that's been helping me out with this. And we worked on creating our first round of merchandise together, which we use as a fundraiser for future scholarships towards underrepresented groups in vet med. We worked on collaborating with somebody who identified as underrepresented as well as an artist, and they created another round of merchandise for us, which we still have yet to put out there, but we're working on doing that. The goal is, I think, like every three to six months to have a new round of merchandise to collect fundraising for scholarships and experiences in veterinary medicine for underrepresented groups. So that's kind of how we went about that. We did have some, let's see, we had some interviews with some other leaders of underrepresented groups. And we also had some podcast interviews with other organizations like VIN, Ethos. I think that we definitely would like to continue to pursue that in the future. It's just been really hard to juggle all of that, especially with we've both had personal and family health issues go on this past year. So it's, it's just been tough to try and manage all of it. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's definitely yeah something that we're working towards in the future. And that's Absolutely. Really yes. Cool. Yeah. It's good that you have someone else to do it and also bounce ideas off of it. It's not you trying to lead the charge all the time because that can be a, a burden yeah, as well. So, definitely, yeah. yeah if you yeah. want to get involved, we'll link to your website information like if someone get involved. So we do have an Instagram page. We don't have a website. Okay. And we do have a Facebook page as well. Perfect. Yeah. 
I could give you the information to that. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. That way people okay, can go sure. directly to it. That'll sure, yeah. And then kind of as we wind down, I know you have lots of other stuff going on today mm-hmm. and I uh, appreciate the time. When I interview anyone, I always let them ask me any sort of question. Yeah. You take it wherever you want. I know we, yeah. I joked and gave you some of the ideas of what people have asked me in the past, but uh-huh. any questions, things you'd want to ask? What do you feel of? like you've learned from this experience? What have I learned from this interview? Yeah. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing that I learned from like this interview mm-hmm. I think the idea of, and it kind of clicked with me, which is why I asked the question, the curbside, yeah. being able to train people that maybe aren't as experienced, mm-hmm. that have the will and desire to be there and show up. Yeah. Because I think that's really tough in veteran medicine right now is finding people that care and mm-hmm. actually want to do it. I would much rather have someone come in and say, I really want to be here. Yeah. Than someone that has all the experience, but yeah. is yeah. disinterested and yeah. just there to hopefully find another job where they make more. Yeah. So I know that's an issue too, where I've heard hey, they went to this other location outside of that med because they can make more money. Yeah. I'd rather yeah. someone says, this is what I love doing. Mm-hmm. Help me learn. Yeah. If you're willing to invest in me, I'll invest in you. And so mm-hmm. to me, the idea of having curbside be a way to find talent, train them and get them ready for when maybe curbside isn't something that some, we do all the time. Maybe yeah. it's an offering yeah. so that they feel comfortable. Then when people are in the rooms, they don't feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So to me, that was yeah. something that clicked, which is why I also asked the question. I know it's kind of deleting, but mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Because you can feel a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. shouting out to a peer and say, hey, what? I don't know. Right? Yeah. Versus being like, oh, I'll be right back and try to make right. up something where something maybe your face shows yeah. that you don't know the answer. Where they're going to mm-hmm. expect you as a pet parent going to be like, uh, okay, I don't trust this person anymore. Yeah. Anything they say is going to be off the table where yeah. they don't know that when they're sitting in the car. So that's candidly yeah. what I learned. Yeah, that is something that I think was an unexpected benefit of curbside service. It's like school. I mean, it's like being in clinics, basically. You get to help in the treatment area. You're involved in taking the histories and discharging the patient. But when it comes to the technical skill in the treatment area, you have somebody there to guide you. And you know that if there's anything that you may be doing wrong in the moment, you will be corrected for it. So ultimately, it's not that there is a mistake that's made. It's just that there is a learning opportunity that happened. And it's so much better for the patient because everybody else is less stressed out, which means that there's less of a chance for a mistake to be made. And we also have time to focus in on that patient, too. That's something else that I think people aren't realizing is how over-inundated our field is right now, is that it's been very difficult for a lot of practices to find the time to focus in on every single patient that comes in, because there's just so many, and we all end up staying late. Most of the days, we all end up staying late to try and get every single person in. So that's, in that regard, I mean, curbside has really enhanced efficiency, I would say. So mm-hmm. for anyone interested in A, connecting with you, yeah, learning more about Vet Check, Chapter 8, Chapter 8, Instagram, Facebook, we'll have that in the show notes. Yeah. Anywhere you would direct people to either connect with you or Vet Check in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do have an email that I can do. Put in the show notes. Yeah. We can put in the show notes. Do you want me to like say it right now? You can say it. Go for okay. it. Okay. We're, we're leaving it in. We're not adding it. Okay. Okay. My email is drserena 8 at gmail.com. And then I do have a couple of different Instagram accounts. One is my own vet Instagram account. It's called Records of a Rugrat Vet. And then we do have the Chapter 8 Instagram account, which is where we've been most active on in terms of social media. 
And that is chapter underscore V-I-I-I. Perfect. And we'll link to VetCheck as well in the show notes as well. Thank you for the time. Of course. Really, really appreciate it. Great to connect. Yeah. Good to meet you and good to talk. It's been a pleasure. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincier Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review that'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.